Welcome back, Coplins, to the Thunderdome. On the left, fighting for the light, you'll see Randall Thor, and on your right, fighting for the darkness, is Balsamon. This chapter is only, like, eight pages long, but it's quite the doozy. I didn't even attempt to write a summary for this because I just know we're gonna get into it, but I yes. hear Lily well. has a one-sentence summary <laughs> for us today, so Lily, would you please do the honors? Uh, hello, it's Lily. I <laughs> I wrote this knowing that Julia would have a summary as a joke. Guess what? It's not a joke anymore. So. <laughs> Psych, I didn't do my job. All right, ready? Rand is running, then channels light and teleports to Trolloc army, decimates them, climbs steps to Sheol Ghul to meet Baldi. He sees his mom, uses his lightning sword, kills the Fades and Balzi. I mean, is that not what Amazing. happened? Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank Literally, you. I think that covers everything that happens in this chapter, I... which is <laughs> a lot. My actual initial reaction is I read the chapter and I texted Julia, like, insane chapter, mm -hmm. dude. Because it was. <laughs> it made me so happy to <laughs> see you text me, like, immediately after we finished recording last week yeah. for chapter 50. It's just, I was waiting for this yeah. chapter for so long and I'm so excited we're finally here. It was insane. As Julia said, it's only eight pages. It does not seem that way. I thought it was at least 25, but it wasn't. I so know. yeah, that that's my initial reactions. It was an incredible chapter. Rand is channeling. I called it. I was right that Rand could channel, yep. that he's the one. I can't yep. really pat myself on the back too much one for this one because, you know, it was really building up to it. But as Julia said, It'll be fun to look back into the book and see all the points that I missed that were alluding yeah. to Rand channeling or were alluding to Rand having some special abilities that mm -hmm. I totally missed, even though it kind of was a theory of mine. But we actually get descriptions of it. And so with that, this chapter was one of the best pieces of fiction I've read. I'm not really trying to exaggerate. Like, these are incredible descriptions. So some of my favorites I picked out. Uh, this is when he's now confronting Balzi. Each pulse along the black vein ate light. That mm. sentence, I was, I kept rereading in awe because I'm like, imagine a sentence where every word describes something even more intensely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I know. Robert Jordan Just is so good in this chapter, beautiful. as always. And then another one, this is uh, when Rand is killing the fates who are torturing his mom. Shining through half men like a candle through paper burning through them. Immediately I have a description mm. in my mind about what's happening. Candle through paper. Yep. Incredible. Yep. And then my favorite whole chapter. This is when Rand's continuing. The heat. The terrible heat of the light. He thought he could hear his tears sizzling on his cheeks. He clutched at tufts of the wiry grass for some hold on reality. But the grass burst into flame. Like, Ugh. not only are you understanding the intensity of what's happening. That's going to that's gonna be confused for me, this chapter intensity. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But you also understand, like, the horrificness of what's happening to Rand. Like, we'll really get into this, but he is fighting right. back against this as hard as he can, and it's happening to him unconsciously almost. And I love that mm -hmm. phrase, the terrible heat of the light. The whole book, the light is the savior. The light is the, the good side, the light side. And mm -hmm, Rand, mm -hmm. Rand is describing it as this terrible heat. I can't escape from it. I just love it. Uh, when he tries to, like, grasp for any yes. kind of semblance of reality, that also bursts into flame. And there's right. just, no, there's nothing there no. for him to grasp onto. No, you are literally on fire, Rand, and you cannot help yourself. But it's just, like, 
quite incredible. So yeah, and I I already did the summary, so you're welcome. You know. Yeah, there we go. We're yeah. already four and a half minutes into the episode. Summary done. Thank Let's you. get into the meat cool. of this. I just want to talk about every part of this chapter start to finish. i know let's let's start from the beginning and even before that actually because we were talking off recording about how you didn't quite understand the stakes that the last chapter left yes. us with yes with you know moraine being overtaken essentially and just the chapter ends with her screaming right and how dire the situation is like Lan, who is the warder of all warders, got flicked away like he's a bug. Right. He's unconscious, or worse, who knows. Moraine tries to stop Aganor, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even stop him. It just slows him down, and he's, like, smirking at everyone as he Ugh, starts to slowly yeah. walk towards her. And then all they can do is flee while Moraine tries to give them enough time to get away. But that's all she can do in that moment. And now Rand is truly just alone in this forest made by the green man and comes to a cliff oh my god it's quite a desperate moment and this is when agonor catches up to him right like Mm -hmm. it's like how long was moraine even able to hold this forsaken like not very long at all because as soon as rand gets up to the cliff and realizes that there's nowhere else to run to yeah the forsaken's right behind him ready to be like "Eh, hey there hi This isn't funny, but Rand, yeah, because he's in the most dire position he's been. This is what I was telling Julie before. I didn't understand the stakes end of last chapter, but the very beginning of this chapter, like, you understand it Mm. right away. Once you understand how alone Rand is, like, truly, because Emmonsfield 5, Moraine and Lan, like, they're all just in a heap somewhere. Like, they're they're done. Right. And so, yeah, I think Moraine gives Rand enough time to basically climb this slope. And then, yeah, as you said, once he gets to the top. Behind him's Agonar, who's, like, doing the rubbing the yeah. hands together. Oh, God. And then in front of him is this 100-foot uh, drop. Once again, I love this description. Uh, he did dare not look back. He heard the rocks bounding and rebounding from the sheer wall, just as his body would if he moved another inch. Yep. Goddamn. <laughs> that he's, like, where he's trying to be, like, there has to be some way, like, a goat path or something. Someone has <laughs> to have made so- a goat path. What are you going to do then, Rand? Like, Agonor is right behind you. You're going to slowly walk yeah. down this goat path on the cliff and yeah. get away from this person who could float over a chasm of fire. Right. I don't think right. that's going to work. But also, but... like, props to Rand even before he proves that he is, you know, the one, is that this determination of this person, anyone else oh, would just yeah. submit and die in one second. Absolutely. His internal monologue throughout this whole chapter is like, there has to be a way, there has to be some way out of this, I have to find help, I have to get out of this, I have to... He just will not let this go and die and submit. I... That type of determination is insane. And you see something from Rand that I don't think you've seen most of this book. It's like, we make fun of him so much for not being able to talk to Egwene. And his internal monologue later is like, I don't know how I... My voice came out so... This is him recounting it to his his son. You know, how I met your mother. I didn't know how my voice came out so calm in that moment, but I was like, hey, Ballsy, I don't really want to join you, bro. Like, respect, but like, Mm -hmm. no, thank you. It's a pyramid scheme. I'm not about that. (laughs) Sorry. No, thank you. Please stop chasing me and my friends, please. But anyway, (laughs) you're you're seeing Rand, like, literally shining, but also just shining in his character and, like, how... Literally 
Yeah. And figuratively, this is absolutely the through line for this chapter that yeah. at the very end, after we go through all of the details of everything, I want to walk you through uh, how his perseverance yes. affects, literally affects how things happen to him yeah. in this chapter. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Like I said, this is an eight page chapter. We would usually talk about this for two hours. Like there's incredible yeah. amounts of things um, going on. Something else I wanted to note was that the beginning of this chapter is supposed to tell you how desperate this situation is. And like the only reason he's able to call upon the light or somehow we'll talk about how that actually happens in a couple of mm -hmm. paragraphs. He has to be in the most desperate situation. Moraine had been talking about this for a long time. Help will come to those who ask for it. That type of idea where like you have to be in a really mm -hmm. desperate situation for these things to happen to you, for the light to shine upon you, things like that. Rand's in a very desperate situation. My question is that why... Rand channeling didn't happen earlier. He's been in very desperate situations throughout this whole book. But my thought was like, mm -hmm. why didn't he channel when Trollocs attacked him back in Winter Night? You know what I mean? He just he, so, he threw a kettle at one. Like yeah, I don't. There is absolutely evidence of him channeling earlier. Oh in this shit! Series. I can't wait to read. And this book. we will get into this. I think when we finish the book and look back at it as a whole, because I I have notes somewhere compiling every time. And the effects that it has on him Hold afterwards, on. Um, we'll get there Hold for on. sure. I have a thought. Yes? I have a thought. Did Rand, was it Rand who brought the lightning down that blinded Matt in the chapter? <gasps> was that a Rand? <gasps> God damn it! Yeah. It was! Yep. Holy shit! Yep. How Holy convenient shit. just lightning happens to hit the side of the building when they're wow. trapped in a room and he needs to get away. Wow. Holy shit. And that's what that so that re, then he has the reaction with him getting a fever right. later. That's why he's very sick afterwards. Holy shit. It's wild that I only realize that right now because Moraine also does, does the lightning thing. She's done it throughout. That's like right. her move. Yeah. Damn, I know, why did I know that earlier? Robert Jordan's genius. Like, if you don't know what's going on, it's not that obvious. And you're just like, wow, that was really lucky, I guess, at least. But no, it's plot armor written into the book. Holy it's canon. Shit, Grand Channel. Damn, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, I cannot wait to reread this book. I miss oh, that. Yeah. How many, how many yeah. times you're like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> he did, he uh, definitely uh, wasn't channeling. Okay, <laughs> we've only been talking about this yeah. this whole fucking book. Okay, so I missed that. Damn. But I didn't miss Nynaeve and Lan. Never forget. No, you got that, which you a go. lot of people miss. So Thank major you. props for that, for Thank sure. You. I think I definitely missed that on my first read, too. Yeah. But... You know, as is the theme oh, with damn. the Wheel of Time and things being better as they continue on mm. and everything happens multiple mm. times, this series is so much better on a reread because okay. there's so much that's hinted at that you don't understand yeah. until books later and it suddenly all makes sense and then you can go back and see all the foreshadowing that was dropped and it's just insane <sighs> and so good. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? That Agonar, we quickly find out that... He well, he's forsaken it. We already know that he's not the one. Mm -hmm. He's not Bialzaman, but he's saying that, like, there's a huge reward out for you, Rand. However, I'm not super interested in that. Like, I just kind of right. want you to die. Because I think mm -hmm. at this point, Agonar, I guess beforehand, Agonar knew that Rand was the one. They came out searching for Rand. He points to Matt. Yep. like, thanks, bruh, for leading us to him. So Agonar knows that Rand's important, but mm -hmm. I got the sense that he's like, I don't want to compete with you, so I just want you to die. Like, you and I are yes. going to be struggling for the same type of power, so I just want to eliminate you. Right. So imagine 
all these Forsaken were like the 13 most powerful channelers working for the Dark One, but to side with the Dark One, you have to be pretty inherently yeah. evil and kind of selfish. And so they all want this power for their own reason. They don't really want to share that power okay, with yeah, anyone else. Sense. And so the fact that the Dark One wants Rand alive because he ultimately wants Rand to serve him yeah. is a threat to Agatha okay. and pretty much any other Forsaken at this point. Although not all of them necessarily will have that same mm-hmm. reaction, but Agenor... As Balsamon later laments, let his greed get the best of him. Yeah, Balsamon's is like, he was, he was one of my best friends, and it's okay, like, you can't have any friends when you're this bad, but, like, if you could be my friend, yeah, Rand, yeah. like, you'd have to serve me, technically, <laughs> but, like, we would be equal. Yeah, we'd be besties forever. Yeah, and, like, your mom's here, so it's really fun. <laughs> she approves. She- so Agenor shows up. With this glowing rope connected yeah. to him. This is the first major point that I want yes. to talk about is this glowing rope Please take and it what away the fuck because, it is yeah, and what's happening. Because like I mentioned last chapter, uh, the ending to this book, the climax, which is pretty much this chapter and the last one, is kind of inherently confusing yeah. in terms of or in the context of the rest of the series because this is a very unique event that's right. happening. We don't see ropes like Mm -hmm. this again really it's unique to the eye so it's unique to the to the place not to rand not to rand because we see agenor has it too and and later also balzi has his own version of it but what this rope is is probably agenor drawing on the eye of the world's sun oh shit okay i didn't i didn't remember it's just a giant pool of the one power Okay. And it's floating behind Agenor into like somewhere. Who knows where. Right. But it's rejuvenating him, right? Like right. when Agenor shows up, he's suddenly like looks a lot healthier. Yeah. He looks like a man in his prime right before the end yeah. of it. And why else would Rand be able to kind of like reach out and touch it too? And then suddenly Rand can do all these things, decimate an right. army, and shoot fire at Balsamon at the end of the chapter. Yeah. So. I think this definitely, like, while there's evidence of Rand channeling before this, we don't obviously see anything mm-hmm. to this I'm mad I missed the lightning thing until now. Like, come on. that's At this point, it's pretty <laughs> obvious. Like, I should have figured that out. I know. And, you know, there's a lot of things that feel obvious in hindsight, but I don't blame you for not picking up on it. So Rand's power levels definitely get kicked up a notch okay. or two in this chapter for sure because of this glowing rope that is like pulsing with the light with power with heat and helps him out obviously but we start off this chapter with rand versus agonor they're confronting each other rand grabs it for himself and agonor is like hold up this is supposed (laughs) to be mine what are you doing don't touch my plaything my rope mom said it was my turn with the glowing (laughs) rope get your hands off of it they're gross (laughs) <laughs> but it was almost unintentional that Rand takes it, and this is well, kind does, of like... he doesn't take it, right? It uh, it called Rand's soul, and one of the... It's described as one of the strands lifted and touched him. Right, yes. So it's kind of natural that it comes to him. I, I missed the whole eye of the world thing. I was not even thinking about that. I just assumed this being described was like how channeling was, but I was telling Julia pre-show that Nynaeve never described it this way and Moraine's never described it this way and they both can channel. Right. So like that doesn't, right. I guess, make sense to me. And that's why this is a unique right. thing. Yeah. Right. That doesn't normally happen. It's just this huge power right. 
or pool of the power is available in Rand's most desperate moment of need, which has always been the requirement for like your first time or like when you don't understand that you're channeling the need so many questions is required yes so and that is a part of the through line that we'll go back and talk about more when we get through the rest of the chapter of how it was rand unintentionally kind of took this one strand of the glowing rope because of his need so god i might I can't. There's, well, there's so I no, I know you mean I know what you're struggling with because you can't say certain things. Right. And talking about this more, I just have so many more questions about like what is even happening because now that you're explaining to me this, there the cord is now connecting back to the pool in the eye of the world. Like that's oh, it's not tainted by Sadine because all these eyes today died to make it pure no. so they can actually pull on it. Yes. Um. So that's probably right. why Rand isn't going mad, I'd assume. But this isn't, mm-hmm. this is the other, I can't, uh, I need to reread this book because now it's like, this isn't technically the first time Rand has channeled. I think that Rand was channeling back, way back in Emmons Field. Like the whole flame in the void thing. And I know that, Maybe that's not really mm-hmm. part of Aes dying, <laughs> yeah. but like you did call that out so quickly, and it's it was so funny to me because you thought the flame in the void was evidence of yeah. him like channeling yeah. in that moment, and you didn't understand why other people didn't recognize right. it. And it was like you're like no, it was funny because you were nearly no. right, but also wrong, and I can't. And then I wasn't even, then. and then I didn't even pick up the fucking lightning thing with Matt. Like that makes me so mad. I was okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so Rand is like willingly or unwillingly this thing comes and touches him and he experiences channeling but i guess in in this way because if he was channeling before he's not describing it and he wasn't describing it and he also no do you i guess the idea is that rand didn't know that he was channeling before because he was not talking about it right no and this this is like on a different level from when he would do it on his own for the first time or something the glowing rope touches him and then all of a sudden Rand pulses with the beating in the cord, like the heartbeat of the world light fills his mind till only a corner was left for himself. Ugh. He wrapped the void around that nook and sheltered in the emptiness. And then he thinks to himself away. Right. So this thing is so crazy that it's, it's almost overtaking most right. of his mind and he needs the flame in the void to kind of control it or to have it not just completely consume. So it's him. actually the opposite of channeling. That's like his, safe space <laughs> yeah it's, right yeah exactly it's 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 like a meditation right. technique still right and this whole time he's thinking i have to get away just get out mm-hmm. of here and pretty much immediately after touching the rope for the first time warmth builds and rand the warmth of the sun the radiance of the sun the radiance of the light agonor bursts into flame Rand thinks away again, and then he's suddenly no longer there. He's in the middle of Tarwin's gap. Do you think Moraine can teleport? No fucking way. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) But this is actually the part of the chapter. I actually went back and was reading parts of the prologue because of this. Because I thought when Luz Theron was made aware that he killed his whole family, and he then pulls on, he was pulling on Sadine tainted Sadine, Sadine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought he also was thinking the same thing, like, away, away. But it was really just described as, like, he kept pulling on as much as he possibly could so that he would just die type of thing. Yeah. Bolt me. Yeah. So that's what that happened. <laughs> Into, Into the mountain. mountain. But this is, this is wild. Like, Rand's going from throwing, like, a lightning bolt 
on a dark friend to full fully mm-hmm. teleporting to and it's interesting he doesn't teleport to somewhere safe which is where you would think if you're thinking away you know if you're trying to get away from a life-threatening situation you think he would teleport i thought it would be to like the two rivers or something you know safe or like Faldara. Right. No, it's the opposite of safety. Right uh, in the yeah. middle battle. of a battle. Battle. It's like, oh, don't worry. It's kind of the aftermath of the battle. No, it's not. It's in the middle of the fucking battle. And the, so this is, um, it's not said, but we know from previous chapters that this is indeed Tarin's Gap, where all of the fighters from the Borderlands have joined to right. fight the Trolloc army that has been amassing there for quite some time. And so Rand just pops in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not going well for the humans either. Yeah, not great. Which obviously, even that with that Ing- Ingtar dude who's like, my entire life is dedicating. It's like, <laughs> you're doing nothing, bruh. Rand comes through and he, at first, no one notices him, which I thought was funny that he had to nope. say that. Like, no one saw me. <laughs> but then I think people were kind of looking because I guess seeing yeah. this, Rand appears in the middle of the battle. He's like in between mountains, I guess is how it's described. He's in a valley, maybe? Yeah, it's basically like a giant, I view it as like two huge cliffs and like a pass through them. And on the one side of the pass is the Trolloc army and on the other side is the humans. And they've both kind of like stepped away from each other for a little bit to reconvene and then go in for one final charge as Rand describes it, but he knows that like this charge is obviously like just a suicide charge. They weren't going to win at this point at all because they were extremely outnumbered. Right. It, I think Rand describes it as hundreds of Murdral leading the Trollocs when normally you have like one per like hundred. So imagine how gigantic Jeez. this army is right now. Yeah. So it's not going great. And so Rand comes through no. and then once again, at least how I read it he is not really in control obviously he's not in control of channeling like he's had no training in it but it seems like very out of control where he sees this scene he knows people need help and so and he sees the drag car like flying overhead right and then this is all that happens he stared at them heat filled him the burning heat of the touched sun you can see the drag car clearly soulless eyes and pale men's faces on winged bodies that had nothing of humanity about them terrible heat crackling heat yeah, and so mm-hmm. then because of that, light comes down and just, like, lightning bolts the drag cars, kills them. So it's like Rand nope. is his very base internal needs and wants are being fulfilled and identified by the light. And then the light is acting on his behalf. And Rand's just like, I'm just trying to hold on to any sense of identity right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would say he's acting on instinct, kind of like... If you've ever been in an insane situation where you just have to move really quickly and adrenaline is kind of pumping through you and you black out and do something to save yourself without realizing, like, you don't have time to think about what you're doing. You're just doing it because your brain is working faster than you can (laughs) understand. And that's, I think, kind of what's happening here. Like, he's holding on to this power, but he doesn't know what he's doing or how he's doing it. He just knows, drag car coming at me? Gotta kill him because they're gonna kill me. So... That's all I can right. do. He's, I think at this point, Ran is making the connection that like the light thing that's happening, he's actually creating it or he's in control of it or something's happening where he's like, oh, this is me. This is me doing this shit. And mm-hmm. I think this is where the despair comes into play, where he's trying to hold on to the ground. He's trying to 
just hold on to some level of reality to keep him in this world and he just can't because something else is happening to him yeah. and he's just crying and it's just like it's very sad scene i in the show i hope the show does this shit justice like i know you saw it but i'm very excited for this scene be cool we'll see yeah yeah we'll see no it's definitely like i wonder because after the drag car killed and he thinks the heat the terrible heat of the light he starts screaming no please no and i i have to wonder if this is him realizing what he's doing and despairing at the idea that he can channel because that's a horrifying thing to think of as a man in this world because every person every man that channels ends up going insane and either hurting people or getting gentled and then losing the will to live or is it because this army is about to be Mm -hmm. decimated by the shadow and all his friends are fleeing or unconscious because the forsaken have attacked them like there's a lot going on i'm sure this no has multiple levels to it oh rand oh poor poor sweet rand yeah Yeah, because he keeps repeating this phrase throughout the whole chapter which is like this has to end this has to end this is or when he gets to ballsy and he's just like this is ended okay i know the confidence it's just it blows me away because at some points in this chapter he feels like a different character yeah like oh, that's he's what speaking I was calmly to yeah. balsamon and he's saying things with such surety of you know i won't bow mm-hmm. to you this will be ended mm-hmm. i'm gonna end it here and right. now type of thing who is this person oh yeah it happens within like one page i actually was thinking about that as i was reading this because i was like they were continuing robert jordan obviously was continuing to use pronouns it was like he or he was feeling this and i was like is this Rand? Like, when is it going to say Rand? Because who is yeah. this fucking person? I don't think it's Rand. Yeah. That doesn't... Rand is afraid of right. women. So I don't think it's Rand. But yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. totally Rand different character. Is a sheep yeah, herder. totally different character scene here. All right. So we can get into the details of what Rand does to decimate the Trolloc army later. That's going to be part of my through line conversation. But the ending of the Tarwin's Gap scene ends with this mysterious voice talking to Rand. So Rand has gone through some shit and he screams into nothing. The light blind you balls him on. This has to end. And then he gets an answer in all caps. It is not here. This was not Rand's thought, making his skull vibrate. I will take no part. Only the chosen one can do what must be done if he will. Rand asks where... He did not want to say it, but he could not stop himself where. And the voice only answers not here. And then some stares to heaven. Yeah, this is boring. Well, is it is it the creator? Is that the idea? Like this is probably God or something of their world. Is that I'd say that's a good guess. I think we don't it's never confirmed, but that's probably a good guess. It doesn't sound like it's the voice is saying, I will take no part. Only the chosen one can do what must be done. What happened? This just fell on me, my Taylor Swift. No, Taylor Swift, the betrayal. She just fell on my head. Okay. Uh. (laughs) Weird. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Okay. The creator speaking. Yeah. So this voice speaks to Rand and basically says the chosen one must do what must be done, if he will, and then steps appear in front of Rand and he starts walking up them pretty much. And this is what takes him to Balsamon's lair again. Yeah! Yeah! So let's get into his confrontation with Balsamon. We end up 
in the same room that Rand has dreamed of a million times before, the melted stone with the creepy fireplace with skulls and shit, and the clouds are going crazy outside. Of course, Rand looks in the mirror, and his image is now completely unblurred. I love that little bit right that's like a callback to the other yeah. dreams it's like we now and ballsy keeps saying this too it's like we now know who it is it's right. Rand. ballsy has to be pretty dumb to like <sighs> witness the whole sequence with Rand teleporting himself to be like it's probably someone else i know but what about perrin yeah perrin's hot though so mm-hmm. ballsy's like i'm saving him for later you know i mean ballsy's described as being ultra hot as well oh yeah so. oh yeah women would say what did Rand say? It was like, like women would find him attractive. So right. Rand. Yeah. <laughs> Rand? Even though this whole chapter is very fantastical and crazy, like, this is definitely not a dream Rand is having. Like, Rand is mm-hmm. physically here in Ballsy's lair that he's dreamed about this whole book. Right. Yeah. Rand is completely driven by, like, anger at this point. As he starts walking the steps up to where he ends up with Ballsy, it says dull anger driving his feet. He mounted the first steps. It has to mm. be ended. And again, it's just that thought that continues throughout the whole chapter. And at this point, Rand is still connected to the cord. The cord is still there behind him. It's beginning to diminish a little bit at this point, I think. By the end of the chapter, it's completely gone. He's just glowing instead. So that's that's maybe an interesting part of the eye. So you, Rand, pulled on it unknowingly to get him to Tarwin's Gap. And he's not, or, and then he was actively using the power to decimate the Trolloc army. And then at this point, he's just climbing the steps, the cord's still on him, but it's not, he's not actively using it. So it's like fading away. Is that kind of the idea behind it? Like, I think it's just slowly getting used up potentially because, you know, it's using a lot of the one power. So as it goes on, he's using more of it. It's getting, it's depleting or whatever. I I don't know. Oh yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So confrontation with ballsy i broke this down into three steps pretty much the first is a battle of will between the two pretty much like they're just kind of talking at each other trying to trick Mm -hmm. the other one into thinking that they have the upper hand or something Mm -hmm. rand again doesn't feel like rand of two rivers no at this point absolutely not he is thinking quick trying to deceive Balsamon, it says, Rand shifted and glanced back through the door as if seeking a way to escape. Let the Dark One think that. Every trap you've laid for me, I've escaped. I tracked you here and destroyed your army on the way. Technically, it's kind of true. He did destroy the army a good amount. It wasn't intentional tracking, but he did somehow find Balsamon and make his way there, so that's kind of true he's not totally lying he can eye himself up i'll, I'll let yeah. ran i'll let ran go for this one we'll yeah. allow it yes and we'll you can tell it. absolutely ballsy's kind of like annoyed but he's trying to cover it up like even when mm-hmm. the first thing that balsamon says to rand when he shows up here is i thought agonor's greed would overcome him but it makes no difference in the end a long search but ended now you are here and i know you so he's like you know agonor didn't do what he was supposed to do what i told him to do but it's fine whatever he fucked up right after rand talks about having tracked balsamon here it says balsamon's eyes roared like two furnaces his lips did not move but rand thought he heard a curse screamed at agonor <laughs> 
So he's trying to keep his chill, but he can't. Yeah. And then there's a big reveal, mm -hmm. or at least one that I didn't really pick up on until this read-through, where Balzi mm -hmm. says, as a way to kind of undermine Rand's newfound confidence, that this was all pretty much a trap. So right. the Tinker story and the Ogier stories about the danger to the eye of the world were all set up by Balzaman starting 20 years ago, aka pretty mm -hmm. much right when Rand was born. Mm -hmm. So let's go back and see, just as a reminder, yes. if this is actually possible. This is the part I didn't really pick up on. Like, I think at this point, it's safe to say like Rand's probably the center of some type of prophecy the IEL prophecy that we heard about in one of Perrin's perspectives but mm -hmm. yeah I forgot Jane Farstrider thing and the black yeah. he's just mentioning a lot of stuff where I'm like I know okay. things that were referenced a while ago that seemed unimportant are now suddenly important as is tradition in this whole series pretty much thank you thank you Rojo <laughs> but remember this guy is also known as the father of lies so we can't just take this his word true for it. So let's go back. The first story he mentions is the Aiel story that the Tinkers told to Perrin and Egwene back when they were staying with them. Balzwan says Aiel allowed to flee and one to live to speak the words that would echo down the years. Remember those maidens of the spear found by the Tinkers in the waste? That's the one that like came to them and was like shadow, yes. shadow blinder, whatever. Right. Here's what okay. Rain said about this story. Two years ago, a band of people crossing the waste about a hundred miles south of the Blight found one of these groups of young Aiel that go into the Blight to hunt Trollocs. The young women were all dead except one, and she was dying. So that lines up with Balsamon's story, right? There's right. They left, they let one live to tell this tale. And Elias has a pretty strong reaction to this. He says a hundred miles into the waste, that's impossible. I'll do my best at pronouncing this. Dievik Kashar, that's what the Trollocs call the Waste, the Dying Ground. They wouldn't go a hundred miles into the Waste if all the Murdral and the Blight were driving them. So if all the Murdral and the Blight were driving them into the Waste, it wouldn't work. So what kind of force would force them into the Waste? Because it has to have been a strong one for these Trollocs to have been convinced. Right. A.K.A. probably Balsamon driving them. Right. But, like, why they were in the ways to fight Aiel? Is so that the Aiel had traveled into the Blight, which is where Trollocs are anyway, right. to go kill Trollocs, but the Trollocs must have overwhelmed them or something. Either way, at some point, the Aiel Maidens of the Spear came back down south into the Waste, which is where they live. Okay. Which is the area that the Trollocs tend to avoid because Aiel killed Trollocs for fun. <laughs> Right. And they were a hundred miles in there, so the Trollocs like chased them a hundred miles into the waste, which they would have never normally done, ever, according to Elias. Okay. So it's very odd to find Trollocs that far south into the waste. And this is the warning that the Aiel woman left. Leaf Blighter means to blind the eye of the world, lost one. He means to slay the great serpent, warn the people, lost one, sight burner comes, tell them to stand ready for he who comes with the dawn. Yeah. So, so far that story lines up with what Balsamon's saying, right? He right. forced the Trollocs into the waste, left one of the Maidens of the Spear alive so she could give the warning to the people so that eventually they would warn whoever else needs to hear this to lead them to the Eye of the World. Mm -hmm. The other story that ended up leading them to the Eye was Loyal's where he says a man came to steading Shangtai a little time back, which AK means 20 years ago. Right. He was at the point of death, though there was no wound or mark on him. The elders thought it might be something Aes Sedai had done, 
since as soon as he was within the steading, he quickly got well. He said, mm. the Dark One intended to blind the Eye of the World and slay the Great Serpent, kill time itself. Very similar to the other warning. And Balsamon okay. says, Jane Farstrider, a hero, he twisted the word with a sneer, whom I painted like a fool and sent to the Ogier, thinking he was free of me. Oh, so that's this guy, Jane Farstrider. Yeah, so that man that came into the steading seeking help and yeah. with a warning was Jane Farstrider, who is this well-known adventurer, or this is what Balsamon is claiming, and he's also claiming that Balsamon himself tainted him in such a way to make him ill enough to need this mm. help. That's why... Okay. So it likely was something with the one power that was making him ill. That's why he got better as soon as he went into right. the steading, because the one power doesn't work within there. Well, and Beelzebub is a nice to die. Is that... Because he yes. has the cord well, and he's doing it's the stuff. The, the one power is, you know, the power that everyone uses. Oh, right, it's right, the right. the thing that drives the world, you know? He can manipulate one power. Right. So either way, the power that was making Jane Farstrider sick at this point is washed away by the steading, and he gets a little bit better and is able to give them this warning about mm -hmm. the Dark One going after the Eye of the World. And remember, when the whole crew meets up again in Camelin and they're like, all right, what do we do now? It's this right. story plus the Tinker story plus right. what else there was like a third thing this these were two of the main reasons that sent them towards the eye that balsamon is claiming he set up uh, just to get them there rand's response is like he knows all he could have done it it could be the way he says so like there's a part of rand who's still like there is doubt here it's not just like oh sh mm -hmm. all right my dude i submit to you right for sure master but yeah this is pretty much it in Camelin, other than um Moraine just constantly saying that, like, we have to fight. I don't know. You know what she says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Dark One once I oppose it, we must fight him. Mm -hmm. The great battle will happen, Eye of the World. So I think she's always known that, but I guess her sources are these stories as well. So, yeah, we got we got Beelzebub pulling the strings this whole time. And right. he's infiltrating their dreams, this whole book. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. It's like, you know, Moraine going into this really... There's no plan here. They don't know what kind of strike that the Dark One was going to make at the Eye of the World. <laughs> when they ask, like, what they're doing here, she just says, like, you know, you're three Taviran. I'm hoping yeah. that's going to be enough to kind of bend the pattern in towards the side of the light, at least enough to stop whatever the Dark One's trying to do at the Eye of the World. Right. But I don't know what's going on. And it turns out this was all just a plot by the Dark One right. to get them where he wants them, pretty much. Can't wait next chapter for Moraine to be like, it is all that I had predicted it to be, <laughs> The wheel wove as it willed. And Rand, like you said, is kind of struggling. The doubt is still there, but he's able to kind of contain it for now. I think it's described yeah. as the void steadied smaller than before, and he floated in calm. So he's still a little doubtful, but he's hanging on to that, like, you know, the sky. Also, you can't really trust him no matter what. He wants to undermine right. Rand's confidence. And that's what he's trying to do here. So the next step of their confrontation is Balsamon bringing out Nynaeve, Egwene, and Rand's mother, Carrie Althor. Which, really bad look. Yeah. To Rand's credit, he immediately calls out Nynaeve and Egwene as being, like, false. He's like, you yeah. can't bring them here because I just saw them. They were alive. They're not dead. You yeah. can't control them. But Balsamon's like, you know, but I can control your mother because I rule over the dead, and here she is. So watch her right. get tortured or join me, 
pretty much. Right. And this serves as, again, that need that Rand requires in order to channel the One Power, because obviously mm -hmm. his mom coming before him, getting tortured by the Fades, is what mm -hmm. he needs to kind of end it all, right? This leads mm -hmm. us into the third stage of their confrontation, where Rand suddenly has a blade in his hands, a sword made mm -hmm. of light. I love that the book's like, it's not the Heron Mark sword. No, <laughs> it's not that Can one. Can you imagine Rand just holding the sword be like, I got this. Yeah. Also, another Robert Jordan moment, how... Uh, uh, Carrie is being described and her being tortured also just like horrifying like her yeah. clothes are being ripped apart and the Trollocs have the or the Fades have these like pincers and clamps that are clawing yeah. at her naked flesh Rand's screams matched her own yeah it's it's intense you have to imagine this stuff is happening very quickly and a part that like broke my heart too is when Rand he has the the sword made of light and it's burning through the fades like paper and then carries like thank you like bless the light it's mm -hmm. like you're just tortured to beyond your death and you're like thanks i know it's yeah it's all so fucked up robert jordan does Ugh. a really good job of describing horrible things without describing it in detail it's yeah. it's mostly implied so you know what's going on but it's not like you know, a Song yeah. of Ice and Fire level where everything is just in grisly detail and thrown in your face like, this is bad. This is something that if you're not reading yeah. too closely, you could understand that something bad is happening to her, but like, right. you don't necessarily make the connection. And that that's like a big all, like thing in his writing throughout the whole series as well. Like when you look at it, what these people are going through is all horrifying and bad and terrible, but right. it's kind of hidden behind a little bit of a veil. Right, but it, I mean, it still is just as effective. Like, this is very smart writing. Like, I understand the dire situation Rand's in and, like, how horrifying it is. Like, even though right. it's not described in every detail, like, I got it. Like, it's there. Like, <laughs> it's not, yeah. he's not shying away, but yeah, it's very, like intentional writing every word is very powerful to make you get that feeling and so it, he's describing feelings rather than like the setting itself right, it's like i want yeah. you to understand how horrifying the situation is for Rand to see it and to understand that like this is what it takes to actually call upon the power within Rand because the only reason he's able to defeat ball's mom is because he has access to this power mm -hmm. but it's like the power plus Rand's like intense need and intense emotion so I love that all coming together. Right. So Rand gets this sword made of light and shoots a fiery white bolt from the point of it as if the blade itself had reached out. And that's what vanquishes the fades. And this sword mm -hmm. is what Rand end up, ends up needing to defeating Balsamon later. But Balsamon has an interesting reaction to this. He says yeah. it's he shies back from the sword as if it were truly the light itself and says, fool. You will destroy yourself. You cannot wield it so, not yet, not until I teach you. Yes. Well, and this is the part to me where it's like, if you didn't know Rand was channeling, that was what confirmed it, at right. least to me. Yeah. Where when he go yeah, when he goes like, you cannot wield it, it's like, oh, of course. I know. This is, it's a great callback to all those times that Moraine is like, do not channel the one power unless you're trained in it because it will kill you. This is how all of those wisdom apprentices die is because they don't realize they're channeling and very few can make it through without knowing what they're doing. It's dangerous to right. do. Obviously, Rand was almost burning up to death. 
at right. one point because he didn't know how. Even when he was channeling earlier in the book, he had a fever. Like, yes, it was yeah. very bad when he had a fever and Matt was blind. Not great, but they both <laughs> fucking lived somehow. They did. And then yeah. Rand, Rand living through this is like, you're not human. No. He's built different. He's not He is boy. built different. So true. So Rand then turns the sword on Balzaman's black rope, which we haven't even talked about yet. So this whole time, Rand no. has his rope of light that he's connected to. It's just kind of disappearing into the distance. And Balzaman also has his own version of the rope, but in black, blacker than like the mm -hmm. night. And the first thing Rand does is cut it. So yeah. that does something to Balzaman. It kind of re it's like a rubber band snapping, right? Like it kind of yeah. launches him back into the fireplace, the force of it coming back into him. Ugh. Again, the description. It's like, I don't need to be told that like Balzaman is dying and he's struggling. If that's right. what I need to hear. Like the force of it forces him forward, mm -hmm. coming back into his body. Very cool. And then Rand does something similar to what he did to the Murdral. He creates a, like a solid flame that fills the room. That essentially, I'm assuming, just kind of burns Balsamon alive. And you yeah. can hear him screaming. And that's kind of all we get because Rand's own rope is starting to thin and disappear. When nothing is left of it, he begins to fall through the darkness until he hits something mm -hmm. solid that turns him to jelly. And that's where we leave this chapter. Yeah. Oh, Rand. My boy. Imagine you go through this and then he still can't talk to Egwene. That's actually what else I was thinking about. I'm yeah. like, you just destroyed the number one evil baddie this whole book. <laughs> mm -hmm. Moraine couldn't do that shit. And then you're going to go to Egwene and be like, uh, are you okay? Yeah. No, can't, can defeat the Dark One, can't talk oh, yeah. to girl. I mean, this is always the fucking problem with Harry Potter. Like you can, every, yeah. every book you fight <laughs> Voldemort and then you can't ask out a girl to the Yule Ball. No, the what real the challenge is studying for your exams. What about the owls? Ron, help me. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's also very real to life. This is why yeah, I love these, yeah, true. these books. So this chapter culminates in Rand defeating Aganor. We don't, again, we don't see their these deaths happening necessarily, but Aganor, we leave him with flames coming out of his eyes. It's kind of implied you he's wrecked. Balsamon is in a giant room that's a solid flame, whatever that means. He's also wrecked. Rand is done. So mm -hmm. let's go back through the chapter yeah. and talk about the through line, which is Rand's need and the yes. resulting light and the heat and what happens when he's feeling all of these things at once. So the, f the first part is Rand taking on that rope for the first time. Mm -hmm. The cord was all, it hummed, it sang, it called Rand's soul. One bright finger strand lifted away, drifted, touched him, and he gasped. Light filled him, and heat that should have been burned yet only warmed, as if it took the chill of the grave away from his bones. The strand thickened. He thinks, I have to get away. So this yeah. is where he starts siphoning the power from Aginor. So Aginor held it all at some point. And then Rand okay. is thinking, I have to get away. And that little finger strand of light comes towards him and connects to Rand instead. That's the need that That's he the need. has acquired. Yes. So to me, that is, as Maureen says, when you don't know what you're doing and you can channel, whenever you have need, it will kind of come to you. And Rand needs right. to get away from the situation. So Sidene yeah. literally comes to him in the form of that wow. rope. Sidene is like a conscious thing almost. It's like sensed a need no, in a person. That's cool. I think it's more so that Rand is doing something to take it. 
without realizing, oh. kind of like subconsciously. He just knows that yeah. he needs this, and so he starts pulling on it like anyone might be able to do uh, who can channel Sidene. Well, that's the other part I loved about these descriptions. It's like, you know, you're always talking about the one power, and it's more of this like metaphorical, like touching it, pulling right. on the true source. But this chapter, it's like he's literally touching it. Yeah. He's literally pulling. <laughs> he's literally has a literal fire mm-hmm. sword. Mm-hmm. So the literalness of this was very fucking cool to yes. me yes and i was understanding it a lot more yeah and this so this whole time he thinks i have to get away he's now connected to the light light fills his mind till only a corner was left for himself he shelters himself in the void he thinks away again and right before agonor screams and flames shoot out of his eyes warmth is building within rand the warmth of the sun bursting and then the awful radiance of light of the light itself he thinks away again and that's when he's no longer at the eye so you can kind of see Mm -hmm. the build-up to him actually channeling which is him teleporting away in that moment right he needs to get away so he takes the rope and uses it to channel himself away and during this process him pulling on that power kills agonor essentially oh i'm not exactly sure why i feel like it's because he's pulling more than what Agonor could take and it's mm-hmm. kind of coming through him and so I, I'm assuming coming just through kind of... Agonor yeah I think so I think that's why he dies it's never like fully explained that's pretty much right. the last of what we see well isn't it kind of like in the struggle to control the power that's why Agonor dies because he's like pulling so much yeah. of so it's not like Rand directly killing him it's no. just like rand's also pulling agonar is also trying to pull right. from sidene away from rand so it's just that whole thing that we've just been described to us before of like you pull too much of one power you burst into flame right. so it's like he does it to himself and rand is involved yeah. but i guess he doesn't actively kill it's him ultimately that's ultimately rand, agonar's rand greed that kills him for sure yeah and so now rand is in tarwin's gap Rand is no longer on the hilltop. He quivered with the light that suffused him. His mind would not work. Light and heat blinded it. The light in the midst of the void, the light blinded his mind, stunned him with awe. So he's like full of it right now. He's like a glowing, like fully glowing. Is Pretty that much. How yeah, he's like flame okay. on if you've ever seen the Fantastic yeah. Four or something. Uh- <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> flame on! Yeah. Woo! So he's filled with the power, and we already kind of touched on this. The drag car are diving for him. He needs to kill them or else he's going to die. Suddenly lightning comes down. This is very reminiscent of his time being trapped in that room where he needs to get away, needs to do something. Here comes lightning to save the day. Right, and we're, and at this point we believe that Rand is now understanding that he is channeling. Do you think he's, like, of a right mind at all to be like, oh my god, this is actually happening to me? Or is he just full in survival mode? I think he's just full in survival mode. Like, this is ridiculous. It's so heroic of him to kind of come here and to just conclude, like, I need to end this. I am the only one that can end this for people, and so I'm going to do it. Which is just crazy to think, you know, probably 20 minutes ago everything was fine you were chilling with the green man you just saw the eye of the world that's kind of scary but you know it's whatever and now i'm just gonna run away from these forsaken guys who are terrifying and right five minutes after that you're like all right i'm gonna save the world because i have to right and it's like we don't even get that internal monologue from rand because that's what i was saying earlier it's like him just saying like away away or this has to be ended to me i'm like why isn't he going to like 
the place of safety to be right feel safe but you're right it's like he's always had more of a purpose that he thinks about or he's like oh i'm on this journey because i want to know what's happening to me what mm-hmm. the fuck is happening to me like i want to save my friends so maybe that's always is what's pulling him no and then sending him to the chalk i really admire that he doesn't go to like to the safe place or go back to moraine to try to get her to do what needs right. to be done or something you Wake know up, this Mom! person yeah. who's who's guided them this whole time, who has been their their source of safety and protection from the, yeah. the bad dreams, he just goes, no, it's all on me. This has to end. This was one of my favorite moments of the chapter where Rand is in Tarwin's Gap. Yes. And all he can think about is, please, no, this has to end. And as he's screaming no, his voice whips up the wind. Like, the wind is, like, mimicking his voice. It starts to carry towards the Trollocs, and the grass that he's trying to grasp onto for some semblance of reality bursts into flame, and that wind that is mimicking his voice carries that giant flame all the way over to the army of Trollocs and starts burning them alive. And then he's still screaming no. He starts pounding his fists into the ground, throwing, like, not a tantrum, but just kind of angrily, like, pounding the ground causing an earthquake but like you're saying like it's fucking despair like if rand is conscious enough to understand that he's channeling this is like the worst moment of his life so this is he's just going full like i don't care what happens next like let's just yeah go full no it's just pure emotion and need driving him at this point like can you imagine if like toddlers could channel and then through a toddler tantrum and they're like pounding the ground with their hands and there's like a mini earthquake around this toddler because he just is angry. Didn't we see this? This isn't like uh, the Incredibles, like their youngest baby son. Yes. Pretty much can yeah. channel. And like you see it happen where he just goes full, full it's insanity. chaotic. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening to Rand right here because all he's just like freaking out. Like this has to stop. These yeah. people are about to make this final charge, but they're not going to survive that. This army is huge. This has to end. Let me just accidentally decimate yeah. the entire Trolloc army by dumping a mountain on them. Right. And then Whoops. only... Now the Trolloc army is only twice the size of the human mm-hmm. army. So, nice. Yeah. I also, on a side note, in this moment, love the Shinaran's reaction to this. Because they're like, the light wills it. <laughs> oh my god. And then they charge. Like, it's just... You know, it's not quite what happened. But, you know, if it... If it motivates you, go for it. I love the part where, yes, he decimated half the Trolloc army, but then what remained was milling in fright and confusion. So, yeah, the Trollocs that survived are like, what's going on here? (laughs) I know, they're wrecked physically and emotionally wrecked. And I just love that the Shinaran army, the human army, thinks that this is the light willing their victory, but it's just this very normal human sheep herder, wool-headed yeah. Rand. It's just Rand. Accidentally doing this because yeah. he can't stand the idea of what's happening now. Right. Right. And it's just, it's such a funny difference that, you know, what they perceive as the truth and what's actually happening right. are two very different right. things. But it can be a good way for Rand to kind of like protect himself and hide his power and be like, mm-hmm. that wasn't mm-hmm. me, it was the light, right guys? <laughs> and so for yeah. him to sort of protect himself because, and we'll get into this later, but that's ultimately the climax point of this book is that Rand, powerful. That's an understatement. Yep. He's either going to be used by Beelzman or being used by Tarvalin, and that's going to be the conflict that he's going to face next book, following books. At mm-hmm. least that's that's my mm-hmm. little Coughlin prediction there. Okay, a little a little tidbit of the well, a little sprinkling, theory. you know. Yeah, and 
the last two points of this need that I think we've already kind of talked about is Rand leaves the battlefield at this point. He starts climbing these stairs that spawn before him. I don't know if he created those stairs or if it's whatever the voice was yeah. talking to him, created it for him as a way to show him the way to go. But he ends up back with Balsamon and the next time he channels is when his mother is getting tortured, right? And that's when he creates the Sword of Fire because, yeah. again, he needs this to end. He needs to protect his mother, whether she's right. there or not, really. And he does, and that's what he ends up doing to destroy Balsamon too in the end. It's just, it has to be ended. And so he does, yeah. and he uses the power to do it. Again, he's holding the sword in his hand, but it's a sword of the light. It's not a real sword. Right. It's it's literally just the one power in physical form. Appreciate you breaking this down because you're thinking this chapter, Rand just has one need. This has to be ended. That's his one need. But you're right. It's like there's there's so many extreme dire needs that happen to him in a span of like, what, 10 minutes, mm -hmm. five minutes, probably that he's using this one power for. And so I'd assume that Sidine and Eye of the World, that shit's gone. All right. Could you imagine anything's left after this? That's probably what <laughs> yeah. next chapter is going to be. Moraine is going to be smug and being like, I call this. And then Moraine's going to be an asshole and be like, there's no more Eye of the World, Sidine. Rand. And Rand's like, <laughs> what did you want me to do? Yeah. Should I just puke it out again for you? Here. Blech. And then he's going to have to pull on more Sidine when he asks, Egwene a question okay right. <laughs> okay but this is this is where I get myself and not understanding the intensity of this book in the past few chapters because I just make a joke about everything because <laughs> it's my coping mechanism but Rand this is my fucking dude I've always liked Rand as a character I've loved Rand we've talked about this earlier where it's like the difference of Rand being shy sheep herder after Tom Marilyn dies him being more of a leader and persevering mm -hmm. with with Matt. So maybe we're not seeing like the confidence and the strength within Rand, but what's always been there is this determination and just like the will to go on Definitely. and the will to control his own thoughts. We see that with him struggling to understand that Tam is not his father when Tam first says that to him. And then we see him throughout the book and saying like, my father, Tam, he's my dad, like, and then refusing that. And then later in Bialsman's dreams, you see Rand actually controlling the dreams with Bialsman, mm -hmm. but it'd be obviously very cool to reread it after the whole series has concluded. Yeah. But just seeing this very slow buildup in Rand's character and personality for him to get to this point, because yes, it seems very unlike Rand to be like standing up to Bialsman and be like, this has to be ended. But like, we've seen this throughout the whole book, him working up to this point and mm -hmm. like his whole goal of wanting his friends to not be hurt and wanting to find out what's wrong with him because... It all started back in Emmons Field when Moraine is very vaguely, as she does, trying to explain to Rand why he has to come with her. And he kind of just accepts that with Tam's help and understanding. It's like, figure out what's happening to you. Right. And all Rand needed to be told was, if you stay in Emmons Field, more people will be attacked by Trollocs and more people are going to die. And that's been Rand's driving force. It's like, okay, I don't understand what's happening to me. I don't know why I'm important, but I do know that pain and suffering follow me wherever I go fun <laughs> thought so I you know want to help people and that's ultimately his, yeah it's definitely goal. the core of his character and it's really cool to see it the culmination of it in this chapter for sure absolutely and also I feel like there's a part of Rand who's kind of annoyed when he sees the Shinaran army and you just see like thousands of lands who are like 
we will never back down. We will fight until the shadow takes <laughs> yeah. us over. And Rand's like, you were all going to fucking die, but sure, I have to come in and save everyone. Mm -hmm. Now I'm the savior. I'm just thinking of the Igtar character who's like, no, my entire personality and life is dedicated to fighting Dark One. And so I'm mad that I'm even fucking escorting you to Eye of the World. I know. He's probably not even going to get to Tarwin's Gap until after Rand <laughs> was there and he's going to show up and it's going to be over and he'll be like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, he will have to probably, like, mercy kill himself and be like, I did not fulfill my purpose as protector mm -hmm. of the realm mm -hmm. of Faldara or Falmoran, wherever the fuck he's from, and just be very upset about it. Sorry, Rand. Yeah. Fought yeah. and killed the Dark One. As we're told in this chapter, obviously there will be more villains. Although it would be funny. After this, I think about this with Harry Potter. It's like, Harry Potter killed Voldemort when he was 17. Yeah. And then it's just like... It's only downhill. Oh, do I have to, like, start a family? And, like... <laughs> What's my purpose now? So, yeah. So this is a great segue. Now that Rand has killed Balsamon or the Dark One, what what's yeah. next? What is the next 13 books gonna be? What do you see? What's... Do you have any theories on what he's gonna do immediately afterwards and what he might do down the road. Well, as I kind of alluded to, and this is, I think, what exci excites me most about this book series, is this conflict of what Rand's next step is. Mm -hmm. And this was the whole point of Tom Maryland. And I finally fucking understand the Gleeman now. I fully understand it now, I think. The point of Tom Gleeman was, well, it was stupid at first, but then I understood <laughs> that it was actually, you needed this person who was not one of Rand's friends, who was not Moraine or Lan, to tell Rand that, and was not Tam, to tell Rand that, hey, Aes Sedai, they're not all good. Mm -hmm. They're not all necessarily bad, but they do things for their own reasons. And we get that from Tam, but we especially get it from Tom Marilyn. And then Tom Marilyn has the connection of, my nephew was essentially killed by Aes Sedai for being able to channel and I wasn't there to help him. So yeah, I think they're all fucking evil. Mm -hmm. Now, and then you get again from Bial's mom saying like, all right, well, you can submit to me, be my servant, or you're going to not even be a servant of Tarvalon, but a puppet. You heard this earlier. I think Bialzaman also said this in one of the dreams when he was talking about Loghain and other false dragons, how he's like, they were all puppets for mm -hmm. the White Tower, all yep. of them. Yeah. And so- that's what I think the next books are going to be about is Rand probably what's going to happen is he's going to go to Tarvalon and train and hang out with his bros and do all of that stuff because now he is the one and Rand's going to really struggle with that because he doesn't want attention or anything like that no. but he cannot hide who he is which is sad I think he's going to have a lot of naive moments of being like I don't want to deal with this with what myself. You're the fucking yeah. chosen one, Rand. You can't escape from that. I'm sorry, yeah. but mm -hmm. can't. That in of itself is interesting enough. His journey in becoming a channeler and, and harnessing that power. And also uh, Nynaeve and Egwene too. But I think the really interesting part is like, this isn't actually good. And it's not actually the place of safety in Tarvalon. And it's not actually what they're doing there might not be for the greater good or for the best reason. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to meet more of the Aes Sedai at Tarvalon and the White Tower and to really figure that out. And for Ran to figure it out for himself, because obviously Moraine is on the Aes Sedai side, as she should be. Yeah. So it'll be cool to see how those dynamics shake out and how Ran won't be able to forget what Bial's mom was saying to him. And Matt and Perrin know this too. They got the same dreams where they were being told that 
Tarvalon's just going to use you. You right. guys are all just puppets. So the seed of doubt is there. Seed of doubt is there. It's going to be very cool to see Rand uh, siphon through that because as we saw from this book, his personality and character are becoming more clear to him. As an, and as he will be trained in controlling the one power, he'll just become more powerful and more sure of himself and being able to really control people, which might be scary. I know. He's, he's a 20-year-old boy. Who can't talk to girls. But he could kill a, a fucking devil person made of black cord. <laughs> yeah, with eyes like furnaces. It's chill. So I really, I really love that element of this book where it's like, there is not a clear, this is what Rand should do next type of thing. Like, these are the good people that he should align himself with. Like, right. you don't get that at all. I would love if the next book opens and they're all back in Emmons field and they're like doing like something before they go off on that next adventure. So yeah, that'd be cool, but it's called the great hunt. So yes, we'll have to see what it is, but we still have two more chapters to go. 52 and 53. Yes. We have two more chapters to go. And I, I assume that will be the sort of the conclusion. The next chapter is literally called, um, this is neither the beginning nor end perfect chapter name <laughs> for the end of a first book of a very long series. Of course. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, something else I wanted to bring up. So nowhere in this chapter is it mentioned about being the dragon or the dragon reborn. I would very heavily assume that Rand is the dragon reborn. He is a male who can channel the pieces are there that he's the dragon reborn, but it's not mm -hmm. mentioned in this chapter, which I thought yeah. was really fucking interesting because both Agnar and Bialzamon know lose Theron and they know Loghain, you know, they know these people. So right. I thought it was interesting how that wasn't dropped in. That's like, that's, he's not being called dragon reborn yet. So maybe that's something that will conclude the book. We'll see. Yeah. We'll have to read and find out. I think that closes it out for me. Obviously, we're going to have some more detailed discussions once we're actually done with the book. I can't wait to go back and talk about all the things yes. that we missed because we couldn't talk about it yet. I think next week we'll cover both 52 and 53 just to close it out. Yeah. If you're like us and can't wait for the end, check in with us next week. Let's go so we can move on to the show and move on to book two, which I am so excited for. Woo! But with that, we'll catch you Coplins next week for chapters 52 and 53. As always, follow us on Twitter at Copland Talk if you want to hear when the next episode is coming out. Email us, coplandtalk at gmail.com if you have any thoughts or theories about the end of the book. We would love to hear what your first impressions were, what you thought was going to happen. Did you know about Rand's lightning bolt? <laughs> Tell me someone else <laughs> was it obvious? That too. Did you miss Nynaeve and Lan? Let us know. Rate and review if you like the podcast, and we'll catch you Coplins next week. Bye! Bye! Ballsy out! <laughs>